the drop at DFT. You are in the middle of our DFT talk series, which is an extension of DFT University. You'll be hearing about that more soon. But today we're talking practical previs. Yeah, I know you've heard a lot about previs over the years, both at DFT and with the drop. But today we're not focusing on any particular show. We're focusing on the fact that people still think virtual production and pre-visualization is something only the marvels of the world can afford and or do and or need. It's simply untrue. So joining me, your humble host, COO of Digital Film Tree, Nancy Jundy, is CEO and founder, one Mr. Rami Katrib. Welcome back to the drop it's table. Great. It's been a while. It's been a bit. Yeah. It's been a little bit. Was it the first episode? Uh, no, you also did the South by Southwest episode. Yeah, that was my oh, first yeah. one. I, was... I only do episodes when you're on. Yeah, that was a blur. Yeah. That Thank will not remain mic. true forever. Welcome back to the drop. Jamie Neese, super producer of such shows as Cruel Sex. I mean, let's also just introduce Jason Neese as well, also super producer. And DBs are kind of the same. They are kind of the same because even their name, their production name is a brother's twin. Uh, I don't know if you guys know it. They do look dramatically different. Uh, they are twins. So... Uh, they have brought you such hits currently streaming on Hulu as Cruel Summer and on Netflix, The Umbrella Academy. They're currently working on a, a series of feature films. Many things that we're going to unpack with you today, uh, including your history together. You folks have known each other for the better part of two decades, correct? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah Who's going to touch that one in a yeah, way that doesn't reach legal? Still re still using Thomas guides, I think, when we met oh, each yeah. other. We were, yeah. I mean, we might as well have, like, Kip kind of poke up because he yeah. was also in the... Hey, Kip. Hi, Kip. Yeah. I like Photoshop. We know Robbie because of Kip Kroger, who I know is with you guys a lot, and does yeah. a lot of work over here. Well, when we used to have those those parties at the Melrose place, you would use the Thomas guide to get home, right? Age yeah. 16. Yeah, there'd be like there'd be like two. There'd be, I think it'd be like AA, so we probably need AA. And you always wear that Santa Claus jacket. Yeah, but it was it was, it was really cool because I uh, we didn't know it at the time, but uh, we were going to be along the, our entire career kind of side by side with you and what was happening here and then what was happening out there what we were doing. Yeah. So, yeah. But one thing is clear: you guys very clearly wanted to write and create stories way back when. I mean, yeah. that was a long. We were young. Right? Yeah, that was like, we're still young. It was well, the whole reason why we're younger. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, you know, the thing was is that we, writer, writer, director, which now is really starting to come to fruition, but it was really an unexpected blessing to, to, to do post mm -hmm. and learn storytelling from that side of it and kind of learn that third time the story's told. So that, I think that was something that we didn't necessarily know that we were going to get into when we came out here. You know? Did, I have to say for... For both of you, I know that sometimes you fall into something that's acceptable. It's a day job. It's a bridge. I remember the early years of that because when you guys are so impassioned to this day, like that hasn't changed. Yeah. You that's, that's what you wanted to do with all your heart. That's still what you want to do. But then getting involved in the technology, post-production, and everything that's happened in 20 years, I, I do believe has been a very awesome blessing. Every, yeah. Everything... Every time we speak to a podcast or an interview, talk to any youngsters, 
first thing I always say is learn post, learn it, learn it, learn it. I mean, because everybody goes to film school, everybody learns set life and all that stuff. So many people walk into the post production world and they're just like, nah, but it, it, satisfies, it satisfies the geek, man, like the technology side of it. I mean, from where what you guys were doing back then versus now, this is like 43 different universes that have happened, <laughs> like in there. No. I mean, that's the thing, though. Both of you are writers. Both of you are directors. Both of you are producers. Both of you have thrived in post. That has, and forgive me if I'm oversimplifying this, but that is, I'm guessing, also wildly informed how you maybe write and direct, knowing what is achievable and possible. Look, we're not going to say that we, we write to fill a box, a money box, per se, but we will absolutely write to make sure when we get to set, we can achieve that goal. And a lot of that came from hanging out with editors in dark rooms, sitting with colorists like Thomas or Jill Bogdanovich or fill in the blank and learning what we can and can't do when it comes to lighting in on, in and on set. So almost everything dictates how we right now um, from the post. And I'd, I'd also say even, you know, we've partnered up creatively together and even uh, for the, the spec pilot that we made together, when Jamie and I were writing it, we knew it would be our directorial debut for TV, but we also knew exactly how far we could push the boundaries because we were working with people that we had been learning the technology of post and visual effects together with. So, and if we didn't, we called you. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> can we do this? Oh, you think we can do this? All right, good. Yeah, we can do this. I mean, also, before we get into... Uh, previs being a practical part of that like how to achieve and plan for that you know a lot of those phone calls came into Aaron White <laughs> oh gosh it's always that. always for a decade I mean that's something where also you guys could have waxed on for the benefits of keeping camera masters in the cloud we have a whole other episode mm -hmm. of that right uh where Kip Kroger was shouted out plenty enough in that one <laughs> um but this specifically for previs, it kind of is coming together that like, no, you're not writing to achieve any kind of like stick within this budget or right. spend that kind of, mm -hmm. but the fact that limitations are what they are, yes. as Da Vinci once said, the frame is the most beautiful part of any piece of artwork. That's right. Agree with it or not, but like it, it is balance. helpful to think ahead of, I want to achieve this. I may not get the budget to achieve this. We may have to do it in VFX. We may have to do a practical, That's like, right. it's, if anything, an option. Because you guys also used, you used previs on big shows like Umbrella Academy. Smaller shows that, <laughs> Cruel Summer even leveraged uh, Super 8. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I think on yeah. Cruel Summer, it was more effective, like, oh, God, we have to shoot, like, a state fair, right? And That's we right. only have X amount of time. Yeah, I think Jamie and I, regardless, moving forward for any projects we ever do, are going to utilize Prevents, just because it's became so nimble from innovators that it has a, this application really can span all the different budget well, categories. Well, you're just about to say it. Yes, we, we've been on Umbrella for six years, and that's got a marvelous budget and, you know, you did great stuff uh, with JFK and all that, but like Cruel Summer does not have that budget. It's freeform Hulu, um, and that's a great example of we didn't have the time to shoot that state fair. Uh, me, Jason, and my main man Bill Purple, and our lovely DP Jason Crothers, we sat there and said, 
well, shit, we got like one day and we need like three days and we need to make it really feel like a big old fair and it wasn't a big old fair and we didn't have any rides, we didn't have any vibe, we barely had any people. And so it wasn't like we had $10 million for like a pogo. It was like we had like 500 grand for that whole day. And so being able to pre-visualize all right, that's where the roller coaster is, and that's where the fake, uh, you know, Ferris wheel is going to be, because you guys put all that stuff in. It allowed us to have a shot list with our director and our DP that was realistic. Yeah. And that was super huge, and it wasn't, like, at the end of the day, viewers probably would never know, because y'all did a great job, that almost 80% of that was uh, added visual effects of the amusement park vibe. But it was that shot list that was created during pre-visualization on a very low, 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 low budget that saved our butt. I did, it's almost gets to a point like, and I don't know when this time comes or if it does, or hopefully it does, but there, I don't know really all that many directors that would be like, yeah, we don't need storyboards. I think it, we will get to a point where this, you know, maybe it doesn't replace storyboards, but it, it becomes as critical for filmmakers, especially indie filmmakers, to talk about the, the lower budget stuff. It's almost more critical for that because you don't have the time to sit around and ruminate and do the storyboarding and have the time. You really won't, you don't have the money to fuck it up on the day of either. So to be able to have this type of tool that can make sure you know where you're going on blocking and stuff, even on an indie horror feature, I think that is maybe not understood quite yet. The thing about storyboards is, is it's becoming this gray hybrid area because you guys can run the scenario in VR and then you can cut it or take snapshots from out inside of the pre-visualization VR world and then that becomes our storyboards. And that's always been very helpful because when you can cut it together like that. I mean, honestly, let's talk success stories because one Mr. Joe Suzuki mentioned often, twice in fact, during this season of oh, The Drop, uh, he was your pre-viz editor on yeah. season, what, two or two. three of The Umbrella Company? It was two. Yeah. And so he was one of our VFX editors. He also lovingly edited, thank you, Joe, probably the uh, Advent episode of The Drop, Ted Lasso, Emotion in the Edit for South by Southwest. And currently you guys are actually working with him in the capacity that he had long hoped to, which yeah. was working on a feature as a Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And we had him at Umbrella Academy too. And, you know, we lovingly say we poached him, even though it's, it's a joke because we were having that conversation to make sure we're like, look, this guy is one of the most talented dudes. And, but yeah, uh, he's, he's a great example metaphorically of what one human can be so many different things. Mm -hmm. Kind of like with how this company can be so many different things. So. Interdisciplinary and interdependent. Yeah. Well, look, it, as I was just on the phone with Armin driving over here. And we were working through something, it doesn't matter. And, and and at one point, we both were like, man, Joe's just so good. He really is. <laughs> so damn good. Go to his house and see that. Well, he knows If it. Joe still loves us enough to be listening to or watching The Drop, we know he's a busy man. But I do, I do think he does. I miss Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good feller. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about previs, and we don't have that much chance to hang out. Everyone is so busy, even now, mm -hmm. during these times. That's right. Um, I just want to kind of take you guys through how I think you have made a contribution to previs helping out the normal shows, mm -hmm. right? Because you guys are so busy sometimes, I don't, I don't think you realize that what your curiosity brings to the industry. This was many years ago. This is 
before I ever met ever. The world was still black and white. Yeah, it, it was. It was like you know, it it feels like a lot has changed in the last like going back from Umbrella season one mm -hmm. to season two. So I was yeah. pitching you guys part of these new technologies, game engines. Absolutely. You thought it was interesting. Yeah. You were like, "This is cool. I see an angle on this." And then, and then, you know, I think I might have followed up with you a few more times, but then you took it upon yourself, based on your own curiosity, to socialize it with your with your colleagues. Oh yeah, of course. Like ever. And the thing is, is that's not a technical affair, but that's yeah. how stuff actually ends up happening. So then we go to dinner. Yep. And as I recall, he's a very accomplished VFX editor, but oh, he'd yeah. never done it on a TV show. Nope. So the truth of it is that. The TV shows that really take advantage of previs are Marvel-like shows that have time and budgets. Absolutely. And in many cases, they bring the living storyboard to life across the entire script. That's right. Right? They have too much to lose. Every day is such a huge production budget. They want to make sure that it's Play. technically correct, mm -hmm. creatively correct. All the stakeholders sign off. So, so, you know, it was just like, hey, why don't we do that for everyone else? Because Umbrella Academy is still a constrained budget. Even oh, yeah, it's absolutely. It's like ginormous. People budget. don't believe us, but it, it's very tight. It's absolutely not at all Marvel-esque budget, budget. Like, sometimes we're even confused at how we accomplished what the final Precisely. product was like. So you guys started something that then was a milestone for us because when we started using it between season two and three, it was a, a, a distinct evolution. Yeah. So then... DP's Craig and Neville, mm -hmm. Steve, Ever, you guys started essentially meeting during the pandemic, yeah. um, planning out the scenes for sets that weren't even built yet. No, we just yeah. made them up all mm -hmm. the time. Like there weren't the production design hadn't even designed them mm -hmm. yet. The campus existed and the stuff didn't exist, but you had this holistic environment. But and that was the first time that we experienced production design, art direction. Yeah. Oh, art. I love that. VFX, because we sent some of our previous to the other VFX yeah. vendors because you guys are cool like us. It's not like every vendor is competing with others. Yeah. Vendors work together. Yeah. So this is like a cohesive tool. It can be, like, in the same way we share with Barnstorm, yeah. you know, for the previous for Lasso, this is the future. It's cooperative. And I, want, I just want to call that out. Like, we actually, like, you guys say, like, you know, ingenuity is cool. And we're like, yeah, they're cool, right? It's yeah. not about competition. It's cooperation. Yeah. So then these tools start helping everyone involved from vendors to, to, to production people and studio people. But I'll say this, as you go into your next projects, this is what it's going to look like. So heads up. <laughs> so the tools that most of the VFX artists are using are, are Nuke. Right. And now Nuke and Unreal actually play nice, nice together. Oh, good. So you can take an environment from Unreal to Nuke That's and important. you can leverage the strengths of both those tools essentially seamlessly wow. and that you're going to be walking into that the other thing is that's crazy for the shows like cruel summer that have even lower budgets you will be able to have your entire production design set in 3d including your characters on your iphone and your ipad that's crazy dude and then without any interaction with vendors you're going to stage a shot right there as you as you're staging a shot with the director of the dp on your own terms real time without engagement with anyone so it's just templatizing everything production design does 
into 3D models, yeah. and it's accurate, and the measurements are correct. So sorry to dump all this on you. No, it's well, no, I was actually going to ask, like, if we could have kind of a real-time discussion, because a lot of previs innovation has happened in the past few months, honestly, and it is now becoming a real-time bridge, even more so between game engines than, uh, more so between previs and VFX than between game engines. Like, whatever, great, fine. You guys should have been able to figure that out a long time ago. I get competition, but we are about cooperation amongst the competition. That's where cooperation comes from. Yeah. But if we're talking about real-time innovation, collaboration with VFX, what is that? I'm interested, Rami, what does that look like? And Mises, does that sound useful to you? That's that's kind of a conversation that I think also needs to happen because again, yeah. what is more import, empowering to a show, every single show these days relies on VFX. Everyone. I don't care if you are a teeny tiny budget, God bless you, I love you, hello, the Connors. You know, you still have boom mics, you still have oh, markers, yeah. you still have stuff like that, that we have a whole other episode of DFT Talks on uh, Everything AI. Gets Everything gets touched. Yeah, but like in this case, when you're prevising something, do those assets then just go to waste, or can we usher them into VFX and be a support? What does that look like, Rami? It looks like what used to be a planning and prototyping tool, as you guys used it so successfully, <clears throat> now becomes both planning and prototyping and finessing of final elements, final shots, final environments, final character refinement that's the next step it's the next step and also the notion of green screens and essentially doing pickup shots yeah. in game engine mm. right that and then the next one is the opening montage of terminator or the computers that are killing them but you're right though to be able to, to to take it out of traditional you know red and blue get what you get and then you know figure it out yeah there's this elegance that feels like it's happening like you're saying with nuke and different well, unity or can i also I say know. like you said something that's really cool that hasn't always been the case when um previs expands past us nerdy producer vfx people directors showrunners and it starts uh pushing out into all the departments 100 that and it's demystified demystified sometimes directors look at it like you're trying to talk about latin well equation. i mean I, I gotta be honest with you even from uh i mean we go way back i mean we've worked on i mean we did four seasons of unreal here we could have done so much with that yeah. you know, the, the technology was there agent x i mean pilots for days the 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 tug and pull that we used to get from dps and directors and showrunners it, the the vice script seems to be releasing because uh, even with vfx producers and supervisors everybody's becoming more and more open to the possibilities of what these engines can do, what these software programs can do, what pre-visualization can do for a $10,000 short film or a $100 million, uh, you know, set piece. I think it, requ it requires producers, certainly post-producers, but I think producer-producers that are kind of the ones that walk the directors uh, and showrunners from the front to the end, it really re requires them to keep up with the technology and to understand that it isn't something that you gotta go find Rami to explain to you. It requires, I can tell you from our vantage point, right, from the quote unquote vendor side, Right. it requires cool, persistent folks like you to champion ideas that are novel. Well, the question that is, is much harder 
than the tech itself being implemented. Right. It's actually bringing it's convincing yeah. these places that that's are like a, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a big cargo ship that's really hard to change direction. Yeah. There's generally two separate issues though, right? Like one is changing workflows and how things have and always done. Mindset. So it's to me that's still the same bucket. The mindsets how yeah. things have been done. Oh yeah. And then the other which even if you convince this mindset to change course What's the other challenge? Budget. It's always money. Who's going to pay for it? Because it's never been a line item. Yeah. Exactly. We dealt with that. We used to deal with that a lot on shows back in the day. Nowadays, I think from great work from companies like you guys and a lot of other companies and maybe out-of-the-box thinking producers like us, um, that line item is being uh, added more often. But I, well, I did want to say that it's interesting. Back even 10 years ago, post producers uh, and post people had to know everything about production, but production actually didn't need to know anything about post. It was like this mysterious thing, like Jason said, shrouded in gray mess, knowing that it just happens and the people that do it know it and we'll never know it. And it's really probably, I would think, exciting for people on the production side that it's becoming more of a conversation on both sides because I'm telling you, me and Jason have always had to know everything about production. But like when we would go to set back in the day, it'd be like, I don't know, Post will do it, right, guys? And it would be like a wink and a smile to the camera. But I really do think that in 2023 and prior to that, a lot of production people are getting very savvy to the workflow. Hopefully they don't take our jobs. But uh, I think it's important that that conversation goes both ways. And then you get to Steve Blackman's that he was he was not an easy sell to, but when we came with the excitement we had that we got from uh, being with you guys and hearing the excitement that you had for it, then you get this new generation of Blackmans that are showrunners, and they are going to be the ones at the end of the day, I think, and that that will take us into the future of this not feeling like some big sell, some yeah. new thing that we got to... Well, you got to give credit to Bill Purple, too, because yes. he, he came in there with me and Jason... And was a real champion for everything that we were saying, even with the bioluminescence uh, in season two. And just like every conversation we've ever had, he started to realize, okay, I feel like every conversation I have with you and Jason started three weeks ago with digital film trade. And I'm like, three months ago, dude, or three years, honestly. And he loved it, and he got obsessed with it, and he started learning. Because that guy is one of the most savvy, sharp director, supervising director, EP. AD, producer, music guys I've ever met in the world, and he's super post-savvy, but even he was like, it's fascinating how quickly the technology is constantly ramping up, and it's really cool how you and Jason seem to be a bridge for a lot of shows. And it's, it's kind of, you're starting to see like a trend, multi-hyphenate folks, not just with you know, I'm a dancer, singer, you know, like, but, but below the line, multi-hyphenate. Like the days of the paint shop being here, and then like this being here, I think it's, we're getting to the point now, the people that want it, that that will achieve the biggest and push the boundaries the most have interest in a lot of different sides and build purples with right again like and you guys as a place of that's right we've actually referenced uh steve spaz williams in again this season of the drop who brought you the actual the aqua face from the abyss who was oh. The key oh member, little eleven-year-old Jason, was very affected why by, by the abyss in general. Why didn't he get to meet that guy? Yeah, I, <laughs> Bring him in here. you guys were not paying attention to us at South by Southwest because he was there, and we filmed right. a drop episode with him. He was responsible for Jurassic. Park. That felt really ahead of his time. Even the water face. That was one yeah. of the 
earliest I'm sure cameras like I'm almost positive that that was one of the first examples of digital envy effects. It is, yeah, yeah. and it that's the, the thing. Dragon. Yeah, the, the yeah. Dragon. I'm, I'm sorry, the dinosaur prototype. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, dragon. They told him, yeah. "Don't touch the T Rex. Yeah. You're never going to be able to do the T Rex." And right. then what happened? He did the T Rex. Yeah. And yeah. so you know, you see these documentaries, and they talk about how. Um, Everything prior had been models. Exactly, right. it's all model work. Harry House, you know, Henry, Harry, like all the great stuff of the past. I love it because they were innovators of the time. But that's and it led thing. to like new innovators doing different ways. Everett uh, is Everett did Pan's Labyrinth with Guillermo del Toro. Everett is still he's his own model. Everett is the handshake from Deuce. Uh, Practical uh, to this, yeah. there's Everett, no doubt about it. Ever put Freddy Krueger's makeup on every day for the Dream Warriors. I mean, the guy did Ghoulies, I think. He's literally done everything in the yeah, recently And Jason about. said this best. Uh, he literally went from special effects, makeup, and just walked right across that bridge and was open to VFX and digital and said, I want to be a part of that too. Because he's like, you know, there are also these film editors that got lost the time because they couldn't do Avid, right? Mm -hmm. So then you got these other back to that multi hyphenate uh, or being nimble thinkers are the ones that get to come along to the next step up and then innovate in ways that maybe even the newer people can't because they got all of this kind of wisdom that they can bring about, oh, now I'm going to scramble it up and do it new ways. I mean, we took a, a lead yeah, from, definitely, wait, yeah. Everett, definitely. I mean, we took a, a lead in a way from people like Everett, especially for some of the new stuff we're doing, because now we're kind of insisting we want to be on set VFX supervisors. I mean, A, it's fun, but B, it really is very informative to a post-producer to be there for when it's blocked and lit with the DP. You know what you're getting, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you open up the present, it's not a surprise. You're like, whew, right, we did that. I will say, it feels like from it being the Wright Brothers to the moon landing, it's like, what, like 60 years or some small amount of time that feels unfathomable that we could get from there to the yeah. moon. It when does, you put it that way. That's crazy, right? Aliens. So now I think, oh yeah, reverse it. Reverse but, but let's act like it's just human uh, innovation. And 60 years to go from that bullshit that we see in those black and white grainy to the moon, I, I kind of feel a similarity with visual effects, the philosophy behind it, previs, VR, you know, nuked, all the different systems learning how to work together. I do feel like when we were... We brought those guys in and put the helmet and put the things on for season whatever for to send them to, to Dallas for yeah. season two. Yeah, I, you, it sounds like you guys would say from there to now, a lot's happened. Yeah, and a lot uh, has yeah. happened. I mean, yeah, it's exciting. On you know. on your current project, uh, one of the artists, Carlo, you know, he type mountain, right, and a mountain appears and he starts to manipulate it. It's crazy. So, like, it, it, there's there's so much happening. It's happening at a much faster clip that it's hard to comprehend unless you have like an active research and development right. effort, <laughs> which we do i think that's right. why we're appreciative right. someone does um, like what's that thing it's like a pin if you do double a penny every day for like some small amount of time it's a million bucks that's right <laughs> well i mean i remember it's even, like the technology's kind of and i remember even when you couldn't online and color didn't play nice they didn't talk to each other they didn't talk to each other and me and jason we'd be doing something in online especially with unreal like oh shit that totally affects color and we'd have patrick and we'd have to run over to Patrick, and yeah. they would have to have a conversation. But every time something new, even that, every time something we, every time we got to do a new cool thing, it always seemed like we were in here. So that's a test. Is it, you you know, there's a theme developing. If, if I'm hearing it correctly, it, you know, 
I think we grew up in an era where jack of all trades, master of none, right. was what our parents said. Look down upon a lot. Very much, right. Yeah. Get really good. Focus. Be a lawyer. Yes, be a, be a lawyer, be a doctor, be a dentist. Exactly. All else. Oh, yes. Just ink and paint, and here's this, you know. And if, if you were doing like, uh, they had interest in uh, political science and, and, and sociology, that's like, that was a bad thing. Right. What's happening now, I, I know from Aaron that the folks who work in VFX on the Seneca team in editorial color. It's a lot of different stuff being touched. It, it's it's the now the generalist, the right. person who has interdisciplinary skills or interdisciplinary curiosity. Yes. As opposed to the person who's extremely skillful in a particular lane. Yeah. God bless them. There is a value to that. However, I think <laughs> the sure. way we're headed right now is is the generalist. But isn't that why the three of us and now the four of us when you entered the, the conversation and really everybody, but I mean, how many dinners have we had where we talk about 400 things? Yeah. You know, because we are interested it's, in it's all this It's literally stuff. schizophrenic, but in a really cool way. In a cool way. I think, Jamie, this has always made sense to us as partners because we haven't just always been writers, producers, or directors. We want to be all. And, you know... I, I think that this type of thinking, if you, when you combine that together, you get to see some really innovative things. I mean, I think some of it, you know, I've shared in other drop episodes, you know, Rami and I met um, in 2011 after I had sold a company. Prior to that, we were only competitors and I was trying to kill him. <laughs> absolutely everything that I had because Final Cut Pro, how dare he. Um, but then in 2011, when I sold my company, um, I was more interested in who the fuck is this asshole and why is he trying to put, you know, the way of things in the ground. And I learned that it wasn't him trying to put the way of things into the ground, but more is the way of things actually helping people is the way of things actually giving others access to the ability to tell their own story. I would like to tell my own story right, yeah. and I can't afford an avid and right. I can't, I can't just, you know, it was more about access. And so seeing what was happening here, and my background is very, very varied from the point of working on Wall Street to having been in production and post at a very early age mm -hmm. to walking, um, walking through crisis PR teams in horrible situations. Walking into this place and seeing what was happening here the only option was to capitalize on how fucking weird it was. Yeah, yeah. Kind of feels like uh, those little uh, incubators up in Silicon Valley, right? It, it kind of always had that vibe when I'd walk up in here. Right? Yeah. Like, this place has always been the blow always felt that way to We're building like film too. rockets up in this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so, when, when this was kind of a dig in, everybody you're talking about, even down to our VFX department, why have we weathered a pandemic why have we weathered the third about to be second longest strike in our history we don't have just roto artists or just matte painting artists mm -hmm. or just we have generalists people that can pivot and move. that's how you survive right exactly that's how you survive I and mean, 
Even Aaron White, who all of us would trust with all of our data, all of I'll our give content, her my all of our security, right? right? <laughs> she started in billing. It's true. I, I remember. remember. I remember. She, she was crazy? our billing girl. She sat in the way, way back over there, and I'd walk over and be like, "Hey, yo, like, can we figure out how to make this work for whatever show it was? Because we ain't got the money." And then, yeah, like, I love this trend that like is, but it really, I don't know if well, I was. That's how Jason and me are when we're sitting with Costner and. He does, he's like, what do you do? We're like, whatever you need. I mean, we mean it. Like, we mean it. Do you want us to go build you a simulated river? Do you want us to change the entire background? Do you want us to just go play post and color? Do you want us to be on set with you and be second unit director plate guys? I mean, that's how you survive. And mm -hmm. especially... That's also how you don't get bored and stodgy and... Yeah. So the for formula of the past, you know? It's like... I had somebody who wanted... They applied for the front desk reception position here and they were so overqualified you remember this person i wrote like this long-winded lengthy here's actually why we're not going to hire you and i believe that you would be best suited to be a consultant somewhere like you can solve problems right don't yeah. come work here to get me coffee yeah what are you doing you have something to offer go capitalize on that yeah and there was no response. It was just like, fuck you, I didn't get a job. Right. When in reality, anything that anybody, like, solve problems, be of applicable use to connect dots. Like, if you're yeah. worried about, I have a goal and an agenda that I would like to achieve, guess what? You're fucked right then and there as soon as you said that. That's right. If you want to solve problems and you want to connect dots and be a communicator, somebody no. who's going to get us from here to here, you will always have a job. Please, disclosure on the bottom of this, Lacan, <clears throat> barring any economic downturns and controlling factors that we have no part in. <laughs> I will say this um, about a relationship that spans 20 years with Rami is that sometimes we come and we have the right money. Sometimes we come and we have the right schedule. Sometimes we come here and he has the right guys. But a lot of times we come and we don't have the right schedule. A lot of times we don't come here and necessarily have the right money. And a lot of times we come here desperate. And the thing that I think that we've done a lot over hundreds of episodes of TV and now a couple of films is that if you put your heads together and if you're if you're willing to think outside of the box, you can work. I'm sure Bill Lawrence and everybody over at Scrubs during the final cut days, you know, we're saying the same thing, but over 20 years we've come here and it was never a no, it was, it might be a no, but right now let's try to figure it out. And I think that if more people in Hollywood had that mindset and weren't just the paint department or I only write comedy films or I only am a first AD, I'm never going to get there. If you can believe that there's a way to fix it, there's always a way to fix it. And that's yeah. what I've always loved about digital film tree. Dude, thank you. Because now after the fact, I realize that because you can go to a place and they will respond with what is possible based on how they're set up. Yeah, right. It's really about if it, like running towards the problem that you haven't oh, figured God, out. Yes, that's the best That's way really hard it. because you don't have a solution and you have to be honest you about it. You guys have always been like that though. Like you've always been like the one, oh, okay, well we've never had that problem yet. So now we have a chance to tackle well, it. Well, yeah, because then you put that, you slide that in your back pocket as uh, it's a new tool. It's a new tool. It's, yeah. it's, it's in your repertoire. I mean, I remember we redid the pilot for Agent X like 13 times. And at one point we just 
flat out had a deadline of like 10 a.m. the next morning. We just got done on the mix stage. And I'll never forget, Peter O'Fallon said, we have to conform picture right now. I was like, it's like literally impossible. It's like 10 p.m. And we drove our butts back here and you made it work. And Guillaume was here at the time. And we stayed up all night and we drank Red Bulls and we did a conform. <laughs> and, That's right. And we shipped it. And you know what? They picked it up and we did Cigarette. a season. Yeah. Oh, no. We don't smoke cigarettes, Mom. Yeah. Back then we did. No, we don't smoke. You know, hi, mommy niece. Never. This is this is a non-alcoholic. <laughs> it was juice. Uh, it's a mocktail. <laughs> you you just reminded me of something in terms of the early two thousands and you know us being competitors even before we knew each other. I wish I would have seen those days. By the yeah, way, yeah, I he he was oblivious. He was doing his own thing. You were like in your own episode of Beef, but he wasn't in the show. To be fair, <laughs> I was in the middle of my own Devil Wears Prada. God bless you. Yes. Oh yeah, but fair. that was hard. We were. We were partying on the Sunset Strip, is what we were doing. Yeah, um, we're Vegas. Well, well, our relationship definitely included just as much socializing. As oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it, innovating. It, dude, this is the coolest industry in the world, right? It, you work with technology, creativity. You work into the future, and you can work into the past to restore yeah. things. What industry has all yeah, that? that's true. Um, the, it just struck me, and it's ironic now, that the only reason DFT exists really was not so much helping desktop technology come to the indie filmmakers, which is how it started. It was actually the union editors were attracted to the fact that they can have this, this editorial box at home. At home. Mobile editing. If, well, and if, by the way, that, uh, that was all very, very insightful and forward thinking because if we all remember COVID, nothing anybody's watching right now could have happened if we didn't have the ability to and it started with cutting at home it started with cutting at home mm, and then right. and then coloring at home with people like thomas behind the camera over there and that's patrick right. and everybody else and then it, and, and then eventually joe and chris my friends at technicolor formosa had to figure out how to mix it and all the stuff that you guys were thinking about 10 15 20 years ago that people scoffed at uh, final cut premiere uh all of these things that weren't part of the you know the 22 episode broadcast even geo dailies like, even geo dailies yeah. the portal yeah. being able to pull stuff and shipping it and having the ability to do that all that stuff started from having hard conversations when no one wanted to listen yeah, yeah. but thank god because i mean whether well, it's you know dft or zoom or whatever you're talking about if there weren't people thinking about that years prior to when it becomes this red light emergency in the form of a global pandemic then you'd be starting from scratch as yeah. opposed to starting with the work that people that were innovative enough Which, to start it years ago. We are not, uh, we're, we're not oblivious to the fact that a lot of the recognition that the Digital Film Tree brand has received is because some of our peers did not think about it until it was too late. Um, we are very grateful to be effing weird. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, that's right. Were... That's why we're here. That's why we stayed here. Mm -hmm. Like the weird people want to kind of float in the same atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And if you get to do it at work and call it part of your career, why not? Mm -hmm. yeah. Fuck, love all the studios, but bored as fuck sitting on four, four of wherever, fill in the blank, I won't say it, dying every day behind a computer waiting for five to, you know, Come so I think that the, having that atmosphere. That was Jason saying all that. I'm a, a huge <laughs> Jamie, huge supporter of the uh, studio system. Might be a good time to show you this. We lean back and out of scene when everybody's like the, part, the Simpson like to... slowly yeah. push it on Jason. He says that maybe make it a saturated. To be fair, color. I will say that 
a lot of what we're going through now collectively in the strikes feels like there are 15 different sides, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Writers have their perspective. Actors have their perspectives. Directors clearly had their perspectives. Yeah. Studios have their perspectives. And by studios, that's another faction because there are right. legacies and yeah. there are streamers. And then you have the Teamsters and IATSE who have their own issues that will come present That's like next. for their own time well. but they're supporting now and then you have us I, that's all I meant we're by that. Yeah. That's all like, I meant. Like, there's you've got to have all these different ones. I'm just saying I never fit into that, and I'm just very glad that this was here and mm -hmm. it was ready to kind of collect people that were like me. You know, digital film people, but in general, this side, this show side, or finding the like-minded folks. It's kind you know? of like you know, Quentin Tarantino for the longest time did not want to join the DGA, yeah. the WG, any of those guilds because he was like. I'm an amateur and I want to be an amateur with right. the freedom to just right. fuck around. That's right. Like, and so it's kind of with that spirit. Eventually he did. Nobody faults him for that. It's not, and we love the unions. We love the guilds. All that we love the studios. Like, we're very fortunate to do what we do. But again, we are a consequence. We're sitting in the middle of it. But it's with that spirit that, like, I want to tell a story. Hmm. You know why I'm sitting here in the seat host of The Drop? Because the magazines I was writing for wanted me to write about things that people had paid for advertising. Yeah. And I understand it. I yeah. complete publishing is fucking hard. Yeah. But you know what? I wanted to tell a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some cameras. We have editors. And I was like, what am I doing writing it down? I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> That's right. That's kind of where we got to. I mean, I think right now everybody's trying to be not just a consequence, but a casualty. Because mm -hmm. there's so many departments that have yeah. no say. And uh, almost all my friends that are on their last leg, I mean, definitely are writers and actors. But, man, it's the costume department. It's yes. Trans, it's Transpo. It's, yeah, it's, it's the all board. the people. At this point, it's across the I board. I mean, we were blessed that Umbrella had, had finaled filming before the strike. But you know what's kind of interesting, and not to, you know, come full circle, but there's so much concern around things like especially generative AI, and there are yeah. arguments to be made that it is wholly unethical to pay somebody for one day yeah, no. and then take their imagery for the rest of their existence. That's insanity. But when it comes to things like previs, well, that actually innovative. gives people a hell of a lot more jobs. Yeah. You know, when going all the way back to the spaz discussion and going into CG from what had used to be like claymation or models. Totally. That was a whole industry yeah. of people that then had jobs. Well, look at Everett, though. People that had to to pivot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or you just, you have, you're I mean, not look, left I, behind. I think, I mean, look, I think it's with any new technology, you know, AI, the big... AI is, you know, capital A, capital I. Like, I mean, with medicine, I'm like, man, go wild, dude. You're going to be curing cancer and curing things that we probably, quantum computing will make that look like, you know, a, a flip phone. Like, I'm just, I just think that we just have to have the conversation and, and nuance and look at That's every the thing. If application of it. We're not you know? afraid of sitting down and having the conversations and presenting without the agenda or the goal no. and let's just actually talk about this ideate 
-hmm. Think about where this can go. Nobody can predict the future. It's bound to happen. Though. But you can start to navigate the future. It's yeah. all about language. Uh, it's a whole nother episode. We could go here all day we talking, really could. talking about the strike and how you know how it could and should be. But and there's no doubt that AI is part of the conversation. It's not going anywhere. Forever. Yeah. It's a matter. It's just of about us like morally <laughs> figuring out how to navigate. Putting uh, human language on artificial intelligence is what needs to happen. Once again, I would like to say that is the beginning of Terminator. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you well, you're right, not careful. Right now, at least we're fortunate enough not to be in any any kind of like um, kind of conflict with AI because the way we the way we're engaged with it, AI is so practical that no one cares what we're doing. Oh, it's yeah, so obscenely technical that yeah. they're like, what's that? Who cares? Yeah. So like automating something like removing a scar or replicating a tedious process or having AI help you define a delivery, a technical delivery sure, requirement. Sure, that's the good AI. That, I mean, that, I've, I don't think anyone's angry at that because it doesn't seem to affect any humans. It just improves a particular process and a human has to drive it, yeah. right? So we, that's the fortunately, yeah. fortunately, we're on, uh, in a safe haven maybe yeah. for AI because we're fucking trying every AI tool known to mankind well, of course. including any technology places restoration yeah right how you restore something how you rebuild a video image right how you take out dirt and it'll probably I'm sure it's a way more intuitive way when you have the AI well kind of power it, it's going it. to revolutionize us going back to all our national archives and our libraries that are unaddressed right, right. so right now that the current worldwide paradigm for restoring old film old video That's is hands, that it's right? expensive as fuck yeah. yeah so you can only restore what you think you can get a return on investment the most vital pieces the most vital kind of goes right? back to that previs making it more uh a everybody can use it applicable yeah applicable um, and not just to make 20 different photos of you as like an elfin robot on like a you know an app on Facebook yeah. or something. And you know you know who's gonna who's gonna drive the future of Previs? I think it's gonna be the storyboard artists, the production designers, the art directors, those people that are obsessed with the design of I think you're of right. any show. Storyboard artists one hundred percent are part of I the, mean think the, about when you handshake. think about yeah. when you can refine it to have such detailed storyboards that are curated by these guys. And, and they can still draw and do really quick shorthand uh, stuff, but when you can get that detailed, talk yes. about being successful once you get to the day of. Yes. So let's yeah. let's befriend all storyboard artists and production <laughs> and bring designers. Bring them to our, our weird directors. little party that you guys started. <laughs> yes. <over here. laughs> cool. Yeah, you guys did have a lot of weird little parties. God bless. I'm so glad I missed those years. No comment. I mean, I do miss, I do miss that I don't have some of those interesting stories. We barely but remember half of them, so that's totally fine. Major no comment. Major no comment. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's end it there for the sake of legal. <laughs> we'll see you next time here on The Drop at DFT.